This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. U.S. Bank wants to know how you reward yourself because they have cards that make every day more rewarding. Are you a points order, cashback guru, low intro APR lover? With U.S. Bank, it's up to you because they have the cards to fit your lifestyle. So earn more whether you're shopping at a gas station or grocery store, even while planning a staycation. Learn more at usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. So, dude, I didn't want to say a word to you when we had the call because I wanted to have this uh, go live on the actual podcast, which is... Holy fucking shit, dude. Do you see what's going on? Obviously, you see what's going on. Obviously, yes. Yeah. Uh, what, are you going to talk about it? What are you doing here, man? That's, that's, you're jinxing it. Well, I, I, think it's, I think it's a topic, man. I think it's the biggest thing going on in the world right now. I think there's all this other stuff going on. But this is like a potential paradigm shift where Bitcoin is, there's like a flight to it. And there's a couple things happening. The guy who runs this Guggenheim fund they're saying it should be worth four hundred thousand per Bitcoin. And, yeah, no, I've, I've, that's, that's twenty okay. x twenty x from here. Yeah. And then Michael Saylor, the Giga Chad himself, not only spent half a billion dollars of his own money on Bitcoin, and then half a billion dollars of MicroStrategy, which is like gone. The stock has soared, mm-hmm. but he just issued some convertible debt to raise. Six hundred million more. He's basically borrowing to buy some six hundred million dollars, and he's announcing it, which means he's telling everybody, "Go ahead and front run me," because I'm as soon as we get these this money raised, this debt raised, I'm going to put it all into Bitcoin. And so it's kind of genius because obviously he's going to have to pay more for it if he says that, but at the same time, his existing holdings are going to go through the roof if that happens. So what, what do you think the, it's a combination. I know. Do you think like partially like just the, maybe the stimulus or do you think it is like the, these big corporations, the money is going and this is obviously this is, you know, the stock, the flow following right along too, as it's expected as well too. So what, what, what are your thoughts? Like, were you expecting this? Is this the timing about right? I have no idea about timing, right? Because it, anything could happen. Timing is always nearly impossible. But of course, there's a few things going on. One is the Fed had its meeting today. And for what I gather, they're like, we're not going to touch these rates or raise rates or stop lending until, you know, the certain uh, very difficult reemployment goals and inflation levels, which they'll undermeasure because they don't measure really asset inflation. So the guys who are not even Bitcoiners, just like finance guys that I think are pretty good with stocks are like, oh, get ready for the everything bubble. Which is scary because, like, if you have cash, it's just being drained out of you. If you earn a wage, you're just getting stolen from. But that's what they're doing. They're going to keep going. And so I think part of it's driven by that monetary policy. Everybody, you know, the reason Michael Saylor went crazy with his company and put everything in Bitcoin, he was like sitting on a pile of cash and he's like, this is a melting ice cube. Where can I put it? Well, stocks are at 
all-time multiple highs. Uh, bonds are yielding negative and zero. I mean, it's like you're not going to put money in bonds. Like, what's the point of that? The only point of a bond would be that it goes down even further, that the rates go further, and you could sell it to somebody else who obviously doesn't want a negative yield, so sell it to someone else. But that doesn't make any sense. That's a total greater fool game where you're trying to just sell to somebody who's trying to sell to somebody else. There's no value in a negative yielding bond, obviously. You know what that is, right? It's like you you, you give them ten grand and you get ninety seven hundred back in a few years. That's insane. Like, why would you do that? Like, what's the what's the purpose of that? So that doesn't, yeah, that so, is insane. But those things have even made money because as it, as it gets even more negative, then the yield that you're getting is actually worth something, even though it's negative. Hmm. It's very right. I, right, I don't know right what right, the hell right. that shit is. It's just basically a way to drive money into the markets. And to make money so cheap that it solves, you know, liquidity issues because companies that are bankrupt can just keep borrowing at, you know, negative rates. So why wouldn't you borrow at a negative rate? Because you get paid to borrow. But they're these zombie companies that can't survive, really. So they're just they're living off of this debt. So anyway, this is the backdrop that's making people buy everything. Stocks are through the roof, obviously. Also, look at Tesla. Tesla's at Tesla's now at. I shorted Tesla. When I say short, I bought like a single put, so it wasn't crazy. I bought it when it was at nine hundred, and it had gone up from like two hundred to nine hundred in a couple of months. You know, six months—I don't know how long, but not very long. And I was like, okay, I'm gonna buy a put. You know, then it goes down to three hundred, and now it's at six. What is that? Six twenty-two after a five-way split. So it's really at thirty-one hundred, right. right? So like, I, wow, it tripled right. more than tripled since I bought a put. Now, luckily, when you buy a put, it's either worth something or it's worthless. I don't get extra. It's not like a short, a naked short, where you get extra punished the higher it goes because otherwise I'd be broke. So <laughs> I lost, you know, the little yeah. amount I put into that one put. But the yep. point is that, like, and again, I don't want to get into the specifics of Tesla versus other stocks. The point is everything is going crazy because cash. You can't hold cash, and bonds are not an option. So it's stocks, baseball cards, Bitcoin, and these giant funds. You know they're they're also like it's irresponsible now not to have some Bitcoin. It's just they're like we need to have some of this. It's too dangerous that this thing goes to four hundred thousand given the scarce supply, and that they don't own any. I mean, if you're managing people's money, and you don't have them at least partially in the best asset. I mean, you, you've let them down. You're, you're terrible at your job. So these guys, they're forced to get into it. But then, like, who else is forced? Well, pension funds are going to be forced. You need this store of value. How else are you going to stay solvent? And then what happens in time? Nation states. Uh, you, know, you get to the point where, you know, the U.S. Has, is sitting on, like, a couple billion dollars worth of Bitcoin that it sees from some illegal activity. And they say they plan to auction it off in March. And some of the uh, guys I follow are like, why don't we draft legislation that any seized Bitcoin can never be auctioned off? It should be put in the treasury as a, for national security purposes. Like this stuff, you need some of this stuff for national security. You can't be in a Bitcoin world, no Bitcoin, and think you're going to pay the military and fund military expenses and fund R&D for, for national defense. So 
you know, but this oh, is... Oh, yeah, it's a battle. It's a battle. Like, yeah, we're specifically China. You know, they have a ton of miners over there. So, um, yeah, no, it's, it's a, a newer, a superior version of the gold for store value has emerged. And you better, yeah, you better, yeah, it's going to be a FOMO between these corporations and all the way to the government. Absolutely. Right, right. They better be, yeah. Once you get, like, these hedge funds FOMOing in, and, and Michael Saylor's doing, he's doing what they call a speculative attack on a currency. It happens when... People attack the Bolivar or local currencies that they destroy. They know to sell it, they short it, and use the, the funds raised from shorting it to buy legitimate currencies, and then it kills it, and they extract the money on the way down. Everyone who has that currency gets wrecked. Well, what's happened to the real fiat, the euro, the dollar, the yen? These things are going to, people are going to borrow in, that, in this currency to buy Bitcoin. And all it's going to do is send Bitcoin even higher relative to those currencies and other assets. You know, I think people are already borrowing and the, the Robin Hoodies are borrowing to buy stocks. But the weakness of stocks is they're earning in dollars, right? Like they're, even, if, even if the stock price of Tesla is to the moon, at some point it's got to earn, it's, it's an income stream of dollars. Although I wouldn't be surprised if Elon Musk was like, yeah, we're just now only selling you know cars for bitcoin now so we're just earning bitcoin these days so forget it we don't want to be holding a bunch of dollars because it's just it's circular you know you're earning a ton of dollars because there's inflation but the dollars aren't worth anything anyway i don't know where this goes i don't know how crazy it gets but it went from 18 a couple days ago and now it's as i'm speaking at 21 2 21 280 i mean i don't it could drop again. Again, short term, nobody can predict these things. But I mean, if it's at fifty k in March or June or something, is that going to surprise anybody? I mean, that's that's where the trajectory looks. The only concern is, is almost it looks too too obvious. Like, I mean, it just looks. Yeah, it, it seems so obvious to me. And we're only in inning one still. I mean, it seems like there's a, oh. a, a lot a lot to go. I mean, it's we're still early. It's still very early, yeah. and and that's the thing. But. It, it's just crazy because I know these mass mutual mass mass I don't know some giant insurance company I don't care about those yeah. spent a hundred mil on it which is nothing to them right? yeah. they have billion, tens of billions of dollars that they have to uh, to use that they that they hold on to and they're dipping in but it's everybody's going to I mean what happens when Apple again we talked about this is like okay we just need to put like three billion in just because we have this extra cash and they might not announce it right they may just kind of do it stealth you know just get their people to go buy some on the market. And then the other crazy thing is all the hardcore hodlers are like, oh yeah, it may be 21,000, but I'm not selling for less than 200. So you think this stuff is available to buy, but like the more it goes up, the fewer people are going to want to sell. I don't even know who's selling now. I can't even imagine people selling now. Yeah. And and the big buys, you know, the corporations come in with the big buys and then whatever, and a couple more, before you know it, the next having will will happen too. Oh, so no, the supply, ha- the supply is going to diminish for sure. I mean, absolutely. Well, well, not only that, but the miners, right? You, so the, you know the way Bitcoin works is like there's these miners who spend electricity to find the answer to this random problem, and in doing so, they get a reward, and they also get they also certify the the block. And typically, like you know, the electricity is expensive. And so they have to pay that up front, and then they get their Bitcoin reward, sell the Bitcoin, recoup their costs, make a profit. That's why they do it. But I think, like, when it's bullish, I was listening to this podcast about it. Like, a lot of the miners, 
will get investors in fiat currency and just keep it, keep the Bitcoin. And some miners are like, denominate everything in Bitcoin. So the notion that the miners automatically sell, that there's this downward force, it, it would actually lessen the impacts of the halving, though, I think, also. But the idea that, well, no, not really, though, because it still inflates. You know, there's still more, there's still less currency coming online just generally. But the point is, like, the idea that the miners are constantly selling, which is, was largely true, the guy was saying in a bull market it's less true because they, they keep a lot of their rewards to the extent they can. And then the other well, thing... Well, it makes sense. And, yeah. It makes sense. And then the other thing uh, that a lot of people are saying, and again, I'm not like first-hand knowledge, but that Bitcoin is actually really a, a great renewable energy source because it's a competition to mine and use this electricity to prove that you solve this problem, which is the way in which you validate each block. And if you just were to like set up a giant mining operation in your house in California, like you would get crushed because the electricity is so expensive. But if you were, you used to be able to do it on your laptop back in the day, I guess you used to be able to just do it on your laptop. But now it's obvious you can't anymore. Well, because the, the difficulty level of the problem that you had to solve was like a, right. You know, it was like finding a one in a trillion thing that a laptop could do, but this is like, the numbers are like astronomically big. So you need incredible amounts of guesses. It's just this random guessing game. It's very, Oh, sorry, sorry, cut you off though. How is that going to help though? The you you were saying how that oh. can actually help competition to find who the, the what what like to to compete to find the, the the most efficient way is that is that what yeah, you're getting the at che- the cheapest energy source right? So like if you just yeah, plug right. in, in California, it would use a ton of California energy, which is scarce and people need it, and there's rolling blackouts sometimes, and you know it would be a expensive use of energy, but you would get yeah. crushed because there's going to be some guy near a dam in Kazakhstan that is got energy that it can't transport from the dam to enough people. So it's got this excess energy that's just idling and being wasted. And they'll set up their mining thing there. Or there's all these natural gas and oil refineries, you know, Texas, all over the place, where there's this, like, I don't know exactly the the technical stuff, but, like, somehow there's, like, off-gassing that goes on or off. There's, like, wasted waste gas that, like, tons of it that comes off. And some of these mining systems are able to capture that and use that as the energy, which is incredibly cheap, if not free. And you're actually like helping, you know, you're you're basically just using a total waste of energy. So it's incentivizing more and more people to get clever. And then you're essentially transporting trapped energy because uh, you can't send that energy. Sometimes you have energy in a place from a dam or you know, hydroelectric, whatever, but it can't go. There's some sort of friction and energy loss to send it, you know, far and wide. But now you're using it to, to secure the Bitcoin system, which is securing the system for everybody, which is by definition being sent around the world because every single node is recording that block. So it's, it's taking this energy and, and confirming the system. So there's a lot of crazy stuff that's very bullish energy-wise and obviously mm-hmm. financially, but it's, it's just kind of exciting. Super exciting. Now, now to... Uh, to counter that uh how worried are you about this uh the know your customer cold wallet storage you know the brian armstrong has raised the uh, the alarms of a possible our government stepping in with that which would you know it would be something i mean that, that would certainly be it would kind of you know fly in the face of the you know the idea of it yeah i, I agree uh well i mean you know most people have bought from know your you know coinbase and square that's all know your customer they have your info so that's already yeah. there but if you ever wanted to send it to a cold storage, they might say, before we let you send this, you need to identify you know, everything about this cold yeah. storage and all stuff, which right. is not ideal. But 
A, that just hasn't happened yet. It's just an idea. B, it might yep. get a lot of resistance. C, as these, it'll be interesting because Wall Street, which will own a ton of this stuff, won't, you know, we'll make sure that it doesn't get shut down, but they don't care about the KYC stuff at all. You know, they're probably before it. So they'll be like, yeah, oh, yeah, pass this law, you know, but maybe not. You know, maybe if they think that'll damage the ecosystem or you run into conflicts if, say, somebody does have it off the KYC system. I mean, what do you do with that? And if you don't punish it by flagging it somehow, but then if there's like flagged Bitcoin and good Bitcoin and this, you know, then it ruins the ecosystem even for these Wall Street guys who've put all this money in. So I don't know that that'll pass. And if it does, there'll be fights about it. And I don't know if it's enforceable, even if it does pass. Like, it's all around the world. It's not just the U.S., right? I mean, you're going to like disadvantage U.S. residents. Oh, exactly. Right? No, I mean, great point. Let's, and, yes, and, that's a counter. Yeah, government really hurt. Yeah, in our competition, which we would hurt and, ourselves. Exactly. And you know, a lot of people have taken this stuff off of the exchanges already, and it was perfectly legal. And it's a First Amendment thing. Not that, like, I, I think the rule of law is being very respected in any by our government at all. I mean, they just announced lockdowns and unconstitutional stuff. Oh, emergency, we just do this. There's not really a a very thorough uh, review process of what, you know, what your rights are, but, but it is, you know, it's just code. I mean, you're just basically sending bits of data to, and then basically recording them in a private place. I mean, it doesn't have to be a piece of plastic. It could be a, a piece of paper. I don't have like a machine. It's just, this is where it is. And I know how to get to it. It's not like, crazy. you know, I, I don't, it, it's not really something you can criminalize. I mean, not really. You can, you know, put it on the books, but then you think about the enforcement and the unfairness and the. So yeah, that would make everyone who currently has the cold storage uh, breaking the law, right? Right, and it's if retroactive. Now, yeah. they, now, a lot of the people yeah. cite, like in the New Deal, like when the Great Depression, they uh, confiscated everybody's gold, you know, and they say things like, okay, well, you'll have amnesty if you turn over your gold in the next three months, we'll redeem it for cash. Okay. They, didn't, they didn't want people having gold because people hoarded gold. And so they could try something like that, but. Again, this is not as easy as gold to seize and to identify and to locate. Uh, and so th- it, it could. All that stuff is possible. I, I don't think it can be stopped. I think the cat is out of the bag. The genie's out of the bottle, whatever. The, that's more of the proper analogy. The genie's out of the bottle. They can't put it back in. They could try to make it difficult. They could probably make life hell on a few bit. You know, if they wanted to like squeeze the Winklevoss twins. Or somebody, you know, a bunch of them. Uh, and they, you know, love those guys. Yeah, love the yeah, weak vibe. I know they're the dudes who actually invented Facebook, by the way. But uh, yep. they're going to have more money than Mark Zuckerberg. I doubt it though, because he's probably secretly got like you know. <laughs> I mean, it, it, the thing is, like, if you're if you're Mark Zuckerberg or Jeff Bezos or Bill Gates, who's the most, I want to talk about him in a bit. But <laughs> like, if you don't just have like a thousand Bitcoin just because. You're a total idiot, right? Like, because like, what's a thousand Bitcoin? Malpractice. What's that? Yeah, malpractice. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, you're, it's, yeah, you're totally. Uh, it's it's like, of course. Why wouldn't you have a thousand Bitcoin? Was it twenty million dollars right now? It's it's just like not even a big deal. It's like having one more house or something. It's like, why wouldn't you just have like enough? Uh, uh, yeah, no. The Winklevi are going to end up with more money ultimately than Facebook. That's that's what's going to happen. But yeah, I couldn't be more excited. I'm with you, man. In a frustrating football year, who cares? It's Bitcoin season. So yeah, dude. Um, um, yes. Yeah, it's cool. It's cool. And also, yeah. it's good for the world. You know, I mean, uh, someone was saying like how depressed they'd be about the state of affairs without the existence of this sort of. Ex- oh, and I got into it during like a cool 
quarantine too. It was like such a perfect time too for, uh, yes, like absolutely. Could there be a, yes, a, a very nice time for this to emerge in the world uh, much needed. And maybe that's why out of necessity or whatever, but it seems like the timing, you know, this, whatever, a decade ago. So kind of crazy. Um, how it's all uh, that well, white the, paper was pretty, uh, well, the timing was based on the first financial crisis because Satoshi, no. I think he said this, like he's, you know, in the, in the either the uh, chat rooms or in the white paper, something that the way they were basically printing money and, and people don't understand this. And, and this is like the key thing is that what they're doing now and, and they just double down on, triple down on today and what they did in the financial crisis when they did in March is basically just make money available to asset holders. And what that does is it, it causes asset inflation and the people who have cash, which are mostly poor people, right? And not like they're sitting on 100000 in cash, but like everything they own is in cash, right? That's it. They don't have stocks and bonds, bonds are paying less and less, but they're going up in value in terms of, you know, if you own the bond, it goes up. But they're not sitting on cash. I mean, they're not sitting on assets. They don't own homes. They don't own Bitcoin. So, like, they're getting further and further away from the assets. And so you're, you're working for 20, 25 bucks an hour, and a house is further and further away from you. And they're doing this, and this is a political choice to do this. They could just give everybody X amount of money, and that might have other effects too. But And, and so Satoshi's looking at this, and he's like, this system is totally broken. They're just apportioning resources to who they see fit after the bankers crash the economy and the policymakers crash the economy. And they're just now giving this stuff away. And it was totally like nobody realized it. Bernie Madoff went to jail because rich people got burned by his scheme. But like they just like reapportioned trillions of dollars from basically from the poor to the rich in 2008. And it was like a crime that wasn't even reported. Um, one thing you just reminded me of real quick is, you know, the last time that Satoshi, uh, I guess supposedly there's that he made any contact was he, he stopped because of WikiLeaks. Did you realize that? Did you know that? Oh, because why he thought WikiLeaks would be able to out him. Yeah. I'm not sure he just, but he said this accelerated whatever the WikiLeaks stuff. So I guess that's pretty much the last known like message board, uh, uh, comment he's made, but uh, just funny that we're talking that, that kind of circles back now with the uh, I'm going to mess up his name, but Assange uh, and the whole uh, pardon right now. So, what do you think on that? I, why I don't know why Trump didn't do it to, to begin with, but sorry if we weren't finished talking about Bitcoin, but I uh, just wanted to say to that, what are your thoughts on, on the, the whole pardon situation? So, you know, obviously, I hope he does it. Snowden, Assange, and there's the other guy, the, the Bitcoin Silk Road guy who. I'm told is like oh yeah Ross, yeah. Ross Ulbricht or whatever. I, yeah. I don't know enough about him, but most of the Bitcoiners seem to think he's like got such a raw deal and punished for mm-hmm. basically creating. You know, he advanced Bitcoin a massive amount because the Silk Road thing like it, it like proved the the use case. But certainly Snowden and Assange like these guys are heroes, right? I mean, when, when you look at like the Liz Cheney's, like who's like such a scumbag, like her dad is a war criminal, like the worst of the worst. And she's like, Snowden's a traitor. It's just so, it's so crazy that she's like bold enough to say that. And all these, you know, Lindsey Graham's like saying all the shit. And, and you're thinking these tweets, it, they're, they're going to age so badly. It's, it's going to age so badly. It's going to be like the FBI people who are trying to like target Martin Luther King, you know, people fighting for humanity, fighting for freedom, fighting for make things better for other people. And 
and and you see like what side they would have been on back then too. Like, everybody knows what side you got to be on now with respect to the civil rights movement. The good guys won, like it's for civil rights. But you think, oh yeah, of course I would have been on that side back then. It, it's the right thing. It's obviously right. But no, if you're against Snowden and you're against Julian Assange. I don't think you would have been on the right side back then because the same arguments were being made. They're like, oh, he's stirring up unrest. This, isn't, this is dangerous. You know, these, these ideas, he's, yeah, I mean, it's dangerous to the people who want to keep people down. Yeah, it's dangerous to them, but it's not <laughs> dangerous, you know, but it's, you know, it's dangerous to the CIA for this stuff to come out. It's dangerous to the government who's, who's killing innocent people in Iraq for this stuff to get out, but it's not dangerous, you know, it's, it's good for it to come out. Trump wants to go against the, you know, shake the snow globe and, you know, go against the man, then it seems like a perfect thing to do. I don't know why he didn't do it already before the election, but. Yeah, I mean, he's got to do it, but he might not because, well, here's my theory, actually, is that you'd think like, all right, fuck the CIA that screwed him over. Fuck this whole, you know, the John Brennans and all these guys who fucked him from the beginning and. You know, Joe Biden was the guy who called, you know, Joe Biden personally called the presidents of other countries and threatened them if they gave Snowden asylum. That's a fact. Like, no, Mr. I Biden didn't. Biden was no. the guy who called, you know, the South American presidents where he wanted to get asylum. So there's 0% chance. Like, this is the last chance for Snowden to be pardoned and probably Assange too, because, you know, Assange reported on the, you know, it was the Democratic party leaks that embarrassed Hillary Clinton when they were talking shit and putting the thumb on the scale against Bernie. Like that was all WikiLeaks. So I don't think there's any chance the Biden Harris administration pardons him. So this is it. And they think, okay, well, of course Trump's got to do this, right? Like he's going to pay back as a bitch. It screws all those guys over. But then you see like Lindsey Graham, uh, who's like one of normally one of Trump's allies, you know, singing that same tune. And there's a lot of Republicans who do it too. And I think that Trump, I don't know. I, I, my feeling is like he hasn't let go of the possibility that enough voter fraud would be shown somehow that the election would be overturned. And I think he's, if he, he feels like if he plays the scorched earth card now, it's sort of like, okay, I'm out. Fuck it. You know, I'll do whatever. Yeah. But, but he's holding on to the last second because, you know, what if, and maybe it's leverage. Maybe he's like, look, you guys better fucking find this election fraud or I'm going scorched. You know, it might be like that too. You know, it might be like, listen, there's only one way you're going to keep the shit out. You better fucking find these machines and figure it out, you know? And so that's all I can imagine because it just seems like a no brainer. But the other thing is, you know, yeah, Trump, like Trump no is not, Trump is not woke. You know what I mean? Trump is not, I don't mean woke in like the fake sense. I mean, he's not like, I don't know if he knows that Snowden's a hero. That he's Stone's one like on the pantheon of American heroes. Yeah. I mean, like on the pantheon, right. on the Mount Rushmore of the five people or the three people or whatever. You know, the Martin Luther Kings, like the heroes of American history. I don't know if he knows that Snowden is one of those guys. And so, you know, for him, it might just be a leverage chip. Like, I don't, I don't know that he's woke to that. Oh, I totally agree with you. I think he, he probably has not been explained it properly, and he probably doesn't fully understand because even i just saw footage of him i think like marty bent retweeted it or something but it was like a, i was like oh maybe this is, but it was like a couple months old and he just said i'm gonna look into that one yeah he looks serious like he was but that's all he said you know i'm gonna look into that one and that's it so it's all we've got yeah he's i'm gonna look into it so he's not really tipping his hand 
So to yeah. me, it's more like, oh, well, I'm going to scare these CIA people that I'm actually going to pardon him. Now, I think you know they might kill Snowden if he came back. Like someone might just take him out somehow. I'm sure Snowden would be careful, but but like those those they're dirty. I don't know. It's, it, there's no point in speculating. I would that would be horribly tragic if that happened. But yeah, um, I you know so I'm rooting for him and Assange. Assange obviously is not an American citizen, so it's a little bit different. But you know these guys are exposing. I mean. These fake whistleblowers are like, oh, the whistleblower in the Trump you know, administration, there's like fake CIA whistleblower like a year ago or whenever it was. And then everybody was like extolling the whistleblower, the whistleblower. But it's like, no, whistle, real whistleblowers, they're hiding in Russia, exiled, not able to come back. They're in a cell. Julian Assange is like halfway dead at this point. I mean, that's what happens to real whistleblowers who, who expose the truth about powerful people. They don't, get, they don't get this like, oh, let's protect the whistleblower. They get put in the dungeon, man, the w- real whistleblowers. Yeah, my, well, not quite the same, but my guy, uh, John McAfee, right now is stuck in a, in a Spanish prison that's uh, still dealing with stuff. His wife keeps tweeting. But, uh, yeah, I hear you about the real whistleblowers, and I, wish, I hope Trump does do the right thing. And um, I, don't, I don't know if it's going to happen, though. But um, what, uh, what else, what else, list? There were a couple things. Oh, there was a hack, this like solar winds hack. I, you, know, you hear about that? I sent you a text about it. I mean, I sent you a... Oh, no. I, I keep going to... Yeah, I got to check. check. I, I, ch- I did check the signal, too. I checked it. I guess he must have done it the last couple, the last day or two. Uh, yeah, no, okay. Right. So uh, there's this hack of like all these government, like Department of Defense, the military, the Treasury. They hacked everything. And... I don't know what to make of these things. I sent you a link. It's like this woman just goes over it very clearly because it's very confusing. But it's like they hacked like serious, and they hacked it in March, and you know basically opened up a apparently the the bug comes in and then it opens up a back door, and then once it's open, it alerts the attacker, and the attacker then proceeds to get into these government computers and record, monitor whatever it wants. All these government employees in very sensitive places. I don't know exactly how top secret or which employees of these agencies that allegedly got into but we're talking about since march and only in the last couple of weeks did they find it and close it up so could you imagine the data that whoever was there now some people think it was an inside job some people think it was china or russia it has to be like a high level it wouldn't just be like probably a 16 year old kid or something it would have to be like a high level crew but then I started thinking, like, maybe this is just bullshit, and this is like a way to cover up something that they don't want covered up and use it as, oh, the hackers did this, or they deleted this, or they... Hmm. And then I just started thinking, you know what? You just can't even draw conclusions anymore. Like, I started thinking, this hack happened, apparently, is reported, seems legit, and I don't know, I, like, you know, you could speculate, and... I just started thinking about all this stuff. Like I, because I distrust the traditional media so much, I mean, I, I don't trust anything they say. My mind is like a vacuum, right? Like I don't know like what's going on with COVID really. I just observe my world. And I don't really know what's going on geopolitically because the reports that I get from people other than like Taibi and Greenwald, and they're just seeing some stuff secondhand themselves. You know, I, I don't know. So when you have a vacuum, your brain gets filled up. You you become vulnerable to finding other explanations. And so I'll listen to more alternative views because I feel they're less 
the official line is always the most dangerous and the worst. So I'll listen to other people who are doing the opposite or not necessarily the opposite, but just different ones. But then I'll find myself actually starting to connect the dots and believe some of this other stuff. Like I started to realize, like, I actually think there's a good chance the election was stolen because I've been reading so much stuff about it. I don't mean the stuff in the Washington Post. I mean the stuff from the people who are just like examining the forensics on the machines and all this stuff. And then I started thinking, dude, I don't know if those people are legit either. Like, what am I? I can't. Yeah, I was gonna. Like, I don't know. Like, and again, I'm not talking about you know MAGA, you know Trump fans who are like have MAGA in their Twitter handle. I'm talking about like scientists and data scientists and people with degrees from Stanford and MIT. I'm I'm reading, you know, I'm reading like stuff from data people, but then I'm like, I don't trust the you know establishment data people so this uh, you know so then your brain you can be hacked by any you know, you're like wait a second like so now i'm just like i just don't know and i and and it's an uncomfortable position to say i don't know and i'm not going to try to connect the dots anymore like i'm just going to have to be comfortable just knowing that i don't know and just moving on in terms of that avenue of interest yeah, no, that makes sense. I'm always trying to be open to opposing views or different views. And then sometimes you find yourself being too open and believing that at face value. Like, why should I not be as critical of this as I was something I'm used to? And that, that makes sense. Um, there are certain tells. Like if, if something's against interest, if a guy's doing something that ostensibly is terrible for his career, a data professor at some college that's getting destroyed for like saying, hey, I don't mm-hmm. think this data adds up. I'll have more trust in the guy. Mm-hmm. But like, even if he's earnest, and more credible on that front. Like, you know, if you can't do the data science yourself or have no interest in getting deep into it, I mean, you know, you're just, it's, it's religion. It's not science. You're just trusting someone else's scientific judgment, just like they want you to do when Bill Gates tells you, you know, to trust his judgment. Oh, he talked to scientists, you know, not that he is one, but he, it's the same, um, it's the same principle. And I realize like, as much as I despise like the, the lies that are being told to us, you know, you still have to like guard your attention field because, because you can be hacked. It's like, you're like, yeah, fiat currency is going to hell. And instead of buying Bitcoin, you get sucked in some altcoins. You know I mean? You got to be careful, right? I mean, there's scammers everywhere. So uh, anyway, I, I think that's obvious to most people because most people just believe the, they just believe the uh, official narrative. And so they, see every other narrative is obviously a scam. But for me, I'm more open to them because I'm like, no, I see the official narrative is likely a scam. And I want to listen, yeah. to some, just like you said, like listen to another view. But then like, you got to be careful because if, if you can't verify it, this other view, then yeah, it's interesting. But it's, you know, it's very tempting to start connecting dots that, <laughs> that you can always connect the dots, dude. You can always connect the dots. No doubt. Did you want to elaborate further on your uh, Gates thoughts? Oh, yeah. And one other thing. Do you remember the Tommy G podcast? That dude was connected to some serious dots. That celebrity pedophile. Yeah, I wonder what happened to him. He got, he got, he got, he got off Twitter. He got, he got non-person. Yeah. You know, he got uh, yeah. canceled, which, which I think is obviously wrong. But, you know, he was connected to serious dots that, you know, they're fucking crazy, you know. But, like, it, it sounded good. You know, I was like, yeah, yeah. Not that I ever believe that. But I'm just saying, like, it sounded good. You know, you can, you can connect any dots. That's that, I'm just using that as an example as the most absurd leaps. But you can connect them. It all makes sense. You got to be careful, even with stuff that's 
much more legitimate sounding because if you don't know, you don't know. And it's a very hard concept just to not, just to be like, I don't, I should not have an opinion on who won the election. I should not. I, I can have an opinion on who's likely to take office, Biden, for 10 days, for until, until he gets booted out when he's too old. But I, yeah, and it's not that you're not informed on the subject. It's that you're so, so, it's like, what do you believe on it? It's like, how, how could you have a, a definitive opinion because you don't know what to believe or, yeah, yeah. How could I, you have I, I can't, I can't, I can have, I can have my hunch or connect the dots. That's all I can do. But then I realize, oh, I'm yeah. connecting dots. And it's like, you know, it's the stuff we do when we pick football games and we get them wrong. Yeah. We, yeah. we did go four and one, but it's like, oh, yeah, because this defense is going to step up and then I like his chances with this offensive lineman out and this. You know, and then it's totally fucking wrong. That's what we're doing with a lot of this shit. We're just connecting some dots that like, yeah, but it's not really true. It sounded good, but it's not really true. So the, the Bill Gates thing is like, who the fuck is this guy? This guy's not a scientist. He's not a doctor. He wasn't elected to office. He's on TV. They're like, well, what do you think we should do with COVID? Oh, we got to lock down for another year. We got to. Why the fuck are you asking that guy? No one elected that guy. That guy's just some monopolist douchebag who made money basically and then the, and they were so powerful and owned so much of the government yet they were still sued because it was such an obvious exploitative monopoly that stifled innovation <laughs> and like the, so this guy's this scumbag monopolist okay he's rich fine i mean they should claw back half of that shit anyway but the lawyers and the fight took you know 10 years or whatever it's just you never can beat something like that why the fuck is anyone listening to this guy on anything i mean it's amazing oh bill oh wait what does bill gates think about this what does oj simpson think about it yeah, I actually did see O.J. Simpson's thoughts on Jeffrey Tubin, but um, yeah, I, I don't <laughs> he know. Did have a good, yeah. good, did have a good yeah. take on he that. Yeah. yeah, he did have a take on that. But yeah, no, Gates is all over CNN saying it's yeah. 2022. Be prepared to, to yeah. Like be, what the fuck? Be, be like, like whose interest yeah. does that serve? Why is that guy being interviewed? Who the fuck is he? I mean, it's just amazing that people are like Bill Gates. Everyone fucking hates Microsoft. <laughs> Uh, yeah, didn't he do some shady stuff to get the power there too? I think he did. I don't, but, even, yeah. I, I don't even know. I know but he's just a crazy yeah. book, but uh, yeah, I, I hear you. I don't even know. I don't know. You know, that's history. I'm just looking at people like acting like, oh, this guy. We better listen to him. He's really Why smart. Is the authority on this subject, Dude, too. Yeah, you're I, not a doctor. You're not a scientist. You're a scumbag monopolist. No one elected you. You're not in office. Like, <laughs> like what the fuck? And then you hear that guy Tedros. You know, the head of the WHO who works with Gates. That guy, yeah, now, I don't yeah. know if this is legit, so I don't know if this is legit, but apparently some guy was nominated for the Nobel Peace Prize for like doing a bunch of like journalism and something. I don't know who this guy is, but he's apparently a legitimate guy, is recommending that Tedros get prosecuted for war crimes while he was part of the uh, administration that did horrible atrocities in Ethiopia. So basically the dude who runs the WHO, who's like the mouthpiece for a lot of this advice we get, is potentially going to be uh, indicted for not for murder or embezzlement, genocide. Okay, like that's that's a very bad crime. That's that's a that's the worst crime that you can do. So again, I heard. Yeah, no, I heard the person when it just when the WHO was you know obviously talked about a lot more in the news. That is one of the first things I heard about is the the head is very corrupt and a ton of corrupt. shady things. Corrupt, yeah. shady. No, no, no. <laughs> I don't think you understand. And again, maybe this is just some <laughs> okay. scheme to discredit him. You know, so who knows? But I, I saw that. It was okay. in like the London, not the London Times, but the uh, one of those major London newspapers. Anyway, so that was that. Was that. That's kind of crazy. And, and then I, I just got to reiterate this, and I got some blowback from this the first time, but I got to reiterate it. Like, I, I still take precautions. Like, I wear a mask when I'm indoors. 
I don't really see anybody except a couple of friends and it's outside. You know, I do the shit I've been doing, basically. Playing it safe because no matter what your opinion is, again, we don't really know. So just, you know, in the event that this is like at all it's cracked up to be, just, you know, fine. You know, take it seriously. But, but just in the spirit of like, you only know what you know, right? Like I only know like my friends and family, celebrities that I hear about. And like no celebrities. I know like small celebrities have died and some very sick people died. But like Mick Jagger, Keith Richards, Jimmy Page, Robert Plant. I don't think those guys were really taking good care of themselves at their heyday. Steven Tyler, Donald Trump, Rudy Giuliani. Does he look like the picture of health to you? I mean, I'm trying to think. Boris Johnson, Bolsonaro. I mean, I'm trying to think of a famous person. I mean, a very famous person that everybody knows. And these, a lot of these guys in their 60s and 70s, Tom Hanks, that has died of this. And I also don't know anyone in my family or any real friend. I know like friends of friends, brother or something like that died of it. And of course people are dying. People die all the time and they might also have the disease, but I'm just saying empirically again, I, I, I don't know because I don't, I, I, I don't trust anything I'm reading because I see the exact opposite. I see people saying Sweden is totally fine. I see other people saying, no, Sweden's worse than anywhere now. They made a huge mistake. And I say, no, Sweden doesn't have a single excess death over the last 10 years. No, America doesn't yeah. have many excess deaths. I've seen charts. Look at the CDC death data. It's all the same. This is just people that would have died of the flu and they died of this instead. I've seen so many contradictory things, graphs, charts, all this stuff that I honestly do not know. But what I do know is the people I know, all the people I know, all the people that I know in the industry, I know people who've gotten COVID in the industry. I know people among my friends who've gotten COVID, but I don't know anyone who's died. People get the flu and they get really sick. Now, again, I don't know. Maybe it is exactly as bad as the most cautious person is portraying. And I take precautions as though that's the case, basically, more or less. I'd still do. But from what I see and witness without like trusting anyone else, right? Like not trusting, trusting the data that one guy says or trusting the data that someone else says, just looking at what I can verify, which I feel like if celebrities were dying, we would know about it. Trusting the data about my family and friends and colleagues and people I know. This does not seem like the world's shutdown pandemic to me. Not what I would have imagined when you see those movies like Contagion and stuff. I, I too have been taking the precautions still. And I know someone who's uh, dealing with lingering effects that uh, are not, not great. And he's like, you know, relatively healthy otherwise. Um, but um, I hear what you're saying. And also what I noticed the most in California here with they all shut down is like two of my uh, favorite local restaurants uh, yesterday had GoFundMe pages started up for them. So I'm expecting them to go out of business in the next uh, couple of weeks. And um, they're, you know, local, not, you know, any, not multiple of them. And I know that's happening everywhere in the restaurant business and all that. It's just, I don't know, but yes, the, the shutdown that it's caused is definitely causing a lot of, a lot of, uh, a lot of, of, of damage. That's for sure. Yeah. I mean, we can get to the policy response of what it should be and, and what they should let people do stuff or whether even if the government weren't being totally piggish and, you know, letting a film 
set up right across the restaurant, you know, where it's the same situation and they're just destroying this woman's business. But, you know, Gavin Newsom's in tight with the film industry, so they green light that. Uh, Forget about the unfairness and and the policy. It might just be that because of COVID, people aren't showing up to restaurants and they would go out of business anyway, right? It might not be because entirely due to the government response. Although the the people were like, hey, I built this huge outdoor patio and people were coming. I think that is a strong case for... If, if they yeah. adapted and, and then the government shut that down, which was happening in a lot of cases, then I would say that it is because of the government and not just because of the virus. But, but I'm saying before we even get to the policy response and the other damage and you know, weigh the two or whatever you want to do, I'm just saying, you know one person who had some bad side effects from it, bad long-lasting uh, effects, but you have a whole different circle of people than I do, and you don't know when that's died from it. And I don't, and again, like I know there's in the world, millions of people have died already. Right? It's a couple million people have died. But the, the question isn't whether you have COVID and die. The question is excess deaths, you know, how many more? And I've seen graphs saying, no, no, dude, there's way more excess deaths. There's, I don't know, 300,000 more people died than, you know, would be projected by population, which is a huge amount, you know, including flus and everything else. And then I've had other people say, no, it's basically flat. And I've seen graphs from you can't you can't you you can't yeah you just don't understand yeah but I mean there there were benefits for labeling deaths a certain way hospital financial and who knows what the actual cause were a lot of a lot of that is going to that's be why so that's why total deaths that's why yeah. total deaths are yeah. sort of un I mean it, you can as far as I know I don't know I'm not like in charge of the data but I'm saying like it's unfalsifiable to somebody who knows that data like uh, in the I, sense that like I, I heard. We want to hear a crazy thought on that is that I guess like the third uh, leading cause of death uh, in the United States every year is like uh, it's accidental. Um, what, uh, I told you that medical dark. error, medical error, yeah, medical error. Yeah. Sorry. Medical I told error. you yeah. that. I read yeah. on the Washington post like five years ago. Number one is heart right. disease. Number so, two is so, cancer. So people are, people are avoiding hospitals this year is what I'm saying. And they're avoiding surgeries. Right. So that, that they're, they're, and that's well, they're, being safe. Oh. they're being safe from that, but they're getting, you know, they're obviously like not, they're putting off like chemotherapy and things, you know, they're putting off some other things that that they need. Uh, So anyway, the point isn't to say what people should do or to say, you know, I know some, I have some like monopoly on any truth. I'm just saying about what I have access to as one person. You know, I don't have access to the aggregate. I have access to my experience. And I said this before, if Brad Pitt died of the coronavirus or Kevin Durant or anyone else, God forbid, it would be bananas, right? It would be like, holy shit, you know, this guy's completely healthy in his prime. And there's all these stories. Oh, no, I know a guy who's 31, he, you know, but you don't know the guy. So it's just another story. You don't know exactly what the, you, anybody can say anything. Impassioned plea. I've heard impassioned pleas from doctors saying we can cure this stuff. We, we can't cure this stuff. You know, I've heard so much different shit. I, I just, to me, it's just all a point of view. So I don't know. And it's, there's, there's crisis actors, there's people put up to things, there's people being suppressed. I don't know who's telling the truth. I just know from my limited vantage point, which is not the truth, it's just the truth. My truth is that I don't know anybody and I don't know, I haven't heard of anybody. I've heard of lots of, you know, Herman Cain died, he was 74 and he died. But might he have died anyway? I don't know. You know, I, I, if we're seeing like maybe 50 or 100 major celebrities under 60 in ostensibly very good health just drop dead, I'd be like, holy shit. 
you, do you see do you see the difference? If like Brad Pitt and he's like sixty, almost fifty five. George Clooney and Kevin Durant and you know I know it's ridiculous to name names, just famous people you know that were like in their peak or fifty or whatever. And there was like fifty of them, which would never happen when when a musician dies, like Tom Petty or David Bowie, and Bowie had cancer and Prince was you know ODing on painkillers or whatever. It's like a huge deal when one of those guys dies. And there's always a very specific cause of it. It's not like, it's not common. If there were 50 of those kind of deaths in like a three-month span, it would be like, holy fucking shit. Don't, didn't you think in the Spanish flu, like it would be like your family members and politicians and I don't know actually what it was like then, but I would assume it was like that. Yes, I would assume that. Yeah, I mean, I hear you. You're saying, yeah, and I know that I mean, how does anyone explain percentage that? How does anyone explain people? that? I mean, I, I don't, I mean, no. they say, oh, they're, they're rich, they're rich, they don't catch it, they're not, you know, they have big estates, they don't, yeah, that's true, but a lot of them do catch it, actually. You know, like, they, it's, it's common to catch it. I, I've heard many celebrities who've caught it, many, sure. but none of them died of it. Rudy Giuliani's just fine. Yeah, he probably got good treatment, but yeah, I hear you. Right, well, um, he got good treatment, but then that also raises a different question about treatment. You know, the uh, AMA just took the drug that shall not be named off its, I think what it was is they had like it, they were saying don't prescribe it for other things besides malaria, HCQ, and they just like rescinded that. A little bit after the election, they just rescinded that uh, decision. They know that drug is supposedly so harmless you can take it while pregnant. Yeah, I mean the idea one of the that, like, very few one of the few drugs that you could take while well, pregnant. Well, that's the other that thing too is they should really be encouraging experimentation with low side effect harmless remedies, right? If vitamin D and zinc and HCQ and and this other thing ivermectin, which I think is pretty you know common drug that's not you know huge side effects. The stuff that needs a prescription, you should follow the instructions obviously from your doctor. But like to to think like even if there's some anecdotal evidence that it works and that the the downside is it's not very expensive and it and doesn't really have a lot of bad side effects. Like they should be encouraging experimentation because you don't want to encourage experimentation with stuff that'll kill you. But the stuff that's that, that to me is also bizarre. Like why, you know, but it just became a political thing. But anyway, that was, I thought interesting that the AMA appar- apparently fact check. Yeah, I didn't hear that. Just, hmm. just, uh, quietly took it off there. Like, <laughs> you know, don't prescribe for other uses list or whatever maybe that's for some other reason anyway that's all i really got um a couple things circle back then we'll get to football real quick one just hacking in general terrifies me uh like ledger was hacked and they like got everyone's information and you you send people texts with looking like you do this you know and then you and then you just the way people can text now and get your information and, and 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 fool people is just next level and that just scares me on many different levels and then talking about pardoning we haven't talked about maxwell in a while but she's been in the news a little i think her husband's kind of surface but have you been following her much no but i have a very strong feeling she is not going to face justice and that stuff will never come out that like they're stalling running out the clock and the media doesn't cover it no one's demanding immediate i mean there's no reason for this to take this long i mean she should be like testifying immunity and burn every single person there you know i mean it should be like what the fuck right i mean this is crazy i i don't I, i've i don't want to think about that because of the fact that she's been in jail this long and epstein who didn't kill himself obviously we thought oh great that we got this guy it's gonna finally come out i don't even have hope for this 
And I certainly don't think the new administration is going to do anything about it. So, hmm. you know, I, I think this is, I think the best thing that could happen, and I, and I don't think people should get their hopes up, is that Trump pardons Snowden and Assange and declassifies a bunch of shit as just sort of a vindictive, you know, leaving like, screw you assholes. But behind the scenes, you know, there's very smart people already figuring out how to doctor and fix. And, you know, I mean, there's, think about, you know, know, there's like fixers, Ray Donovan types, right? Like the best of them. (laughs) And there's probably like, you know, at high levels, dozens of those guys. And they're all working round the clock in the event, maybe to prevent that he even does it, in the event that he does it, like to make it less effective. I just, I just feel like, there's, there's, you know, we don't know. We don't, we're not privy to what's going on. But like, I would imagine that he can pardon those guys, and they can't undo that. But they could definitely, if he declassifies a whole bunch of stuff, like have some other disinfo to like counter it, or you know what I mean? Like, you think like, I mean, the other thing we never talked about is, by the way, that Hunter Biden stuff was real, <laughs> and they just the, the Twitter suspended the New York Post for a week or longer for reporting it, and. It was all, and these, all these like national security professionals signed this document saying, this is, we know this is Russian disinformation, ignore. Election happens, <laughs> and now they're actually investigating it. The, the, chi, the ties of 100 yeah, China. Yeah. And I don't even care anymore because I don't, I don't have any hope that anything will get adjudicated to justice. It's just going to get, that's like Ghislaine Maxwell, Hunter Biden. Whoever's in the crosshairs of any of the shit is going to weasel out of it, and there's going to be some fake explanation, and because it's just not in their interest, it's just there's too many powerful people who need the shit to go away, so it will go away, and that's that, and we're going to just eat it. But thank God for Bitcoin, because I really think this is, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, it, it's it undermines the system. It, it uh, I mean, it undermines the power base because if people it's a huge reapportionment of wealth away from the, the favorites of the money printers and to the, you know, to, to anybody who, who buys it. Well, the Streisand effect worked uh, for the New York post because I am now a regular reader of their tweets. So I would say ultimately they're the winner in that situation for getting suspended for the week. Um, they, and won, also, they won, but the story was buried ahead of the election. I mean, that's like, they, you know, that yeah. was the, that was the mission, yeah, mission I, accomplished. Yeah. I was being a smart ass. I don't think me following their tweets yeah. was ultimately the, the, they're, the victory. They're, but, they're, but, they're extremely happy. Don't, you know, doesn't yeah, uh, yeah. Andrew Yang still follow you? Yeah. Andrew Yang does still follow me. Yep. Yep. Um, You're big time. Great Ray, Donovan, so short. Uh, great Ray Donovan uh, reference there. A great bad show, which I continue to watch just to see what silliness John Voight will do uh, will do next. Uh, four and one last week. Is that our first four and one? And I didn't even yes. he didn't even use my Colts best bet either. The Colts one we could have thrown in there uh, too. So um, you didn't so, use yeah. the Colts. I good, thought good we were five and zero oh until I saw I looked back at the text and I was like, really? You yeah. use the Giants? Yeah. Oh yeah, I think yeah. Okay, but whatever we threw in four and one, so not not bad. So let's uh, yeah, let's let's finish is, strong here. Right, let's shoot through these games quickly. Is, is, is there still a uh, a bonus for the last three weeks? Well, that's something we should look into. Uh, I'll look into it. We're just, I think we got in, we're just heating up at the yeah. right time. <laughs> exactly. That's right. That's right. So let's do this. All right. So let's go. Chargers plus three and a half at the Raiders. We both took the Chargers. I don't feel strongly that the Raiders could smash them, but I just felt like. Raiders have to do something to lay three and a half. 
Yeah, same here. I don't feel strongly about Lynn, though. I wouldn't like fight to, to use it. No. All right. Bills minus six and a half at Broncos. That's one of my best bets. I think we should use it. It just seems like a perfect letdown game and a tough place to play, and the Broncos are feisty. I think we might have a lot the same this week. I looked at your uh, column earlier today. Um, yes, sure. We can use the Broncos with you here. I, that's one of the rare. I feel like there's still some some home field with mile high. So I'm with you. I'll take the we'll, we'll use them. All right. Panthers plus eight and a half Packers. I like the Packers. I think they should be like 10 or 11. I like this one more than the Broncos on board here for sure. I do. Uh, normally I don't like, you know, lane more than a touchdown, but um, man, their offense just looks so good. They can name their points. Uh, yeah. Let's take Green Bay. Texans plus seven at Colts. We both picked the Colts, but I have zero feel for this one. Yep, that was a stay away for me. Agreed. Lions plus seven and a half at Titans. If that's the line and it's Chase Daniel, I would use the Titans. Absolutely, we need to check out that that line when they when they get released this this evening because uh, I would lay the wood on the Titans there as well. All right, Bucks minus six at Falcons. I picked the Falcons, but I don't have a strong feeling about it. <laughs> Yeah, me neither. Their defense is playing playing better. They're actually like almost a, not too bad of a negative point differential on the year for their horrible record, but I don't feel too strongly either. All right, Pats plus two and a half at Dolphins. I picked the Pats. I would use them. Rufus loves the Pats, but you're on the Dolphins, so let's skip that one for now. I actually, yeah, I liked the Dolphins, and then I listened to Rufus talk, and the more I thought about it, the, their strength is pass defense, and that doesn't really matter with Cam Newton. They might just be able to run it like they did week one, so I, I like that less than when I sent in staff picks a, a day ago. Seahawks, a football team, Seahawks minus five and a half, both took the football team. I like it, but I don't love it. Yeah, that's pretty much my same assessment. Really, their defense is so good, but what if Dwayne Haskins starts this game? So, And it's Russell Wilson, right? I mean, the defense is yep. one thing, yep. but it's not against you know some average QB. All right, Bears plus yep. three at Vikings. We had six unanimous picks, by the way, so like the Vikings and football team were both unanimous. I like the Vikings because the value seems good. I thought this was going to be like five and a half or six, but Bears are playing better, and I think Trubisky's kind of got that offense back, so I'd probably stay away. Yeah, we're thinking similarly this this week because uh, I expected the spread to be a little more, but don't feel great about it because their uh, Bears have the better defense. Uh, Cousins has been really, really good at home this year, whatever that means. But with you on the Vikings, but don't love it. But they've blown a lot of you know they lost to the Falcons at home. They lost. They almost lost to the Panthers. They almost lost to the Jaguars. They've they've had some bad and, home and, games. And they're sticking with Dan Bailey. I mean, that could be a problem. He's been bad for the last couple of weeks, really bad. I mean, that could be a Chuck Noble block playing second base here if you bet on them, you know? Yeah, no, I agree. Jaguars plus 13 and a half at Ravens. I kind of like the Jaguars. I mean, the Ravens just got an emotional Monday night win against a huge game. They had to win. This is going to be a letdown. Minshew gives them a puncher's chance. The Ravens defense is terrible. I kind of like the Jags. <laughs> uh, yeah, Minshew's definitely uh, made me feel more comfortable taking the points here and, and coming off the big win short week. Sure, well, we can use them if you want to. We'll consider them. Niners yeah. minus three at Cowboys. I think it's a smash spot for the Niners. I think they've looked terrible the last two weeks, but Cowboys suck, and this is one where the Niners just flex their muscle against them. 
Yeah, especially talking over this games a little bit more at length um, right before this with Pianowski. I was like, yeah, the Niners should have been one of my favorite bets this week in the staff picks column because uh, even if I know there's some concern Mullins may not finish this game, but I think they're just going to run it with Jeff Wilson, who's cheap DFS option this week. And um, yeah, they'll just take out their frustration. Niners are way better on the road this year. They have one home win and they're like four and two on the road. So they don't even matter that. So, well, especially yeah, now I, they don't even have a home. Exactly. So excuse them. All right, Jets plus 17 at Rams. I took the Rams, but I mean, I'm 17, you know, so I'm just like, it's fine. It's not, I wouldn't use it. I laid the points as well, I guess, because it's, I think their defense is going to hold them to three points, but I wouldn't use it as well. Yeah. Eagles plus six and a half at Cardinals. I made the Eagles my best bet, and so did you, which bodes very badly, huh. but we're obviously huh. using this one. Uh, Jalen Hurts, man, if you watch that whole game, that guy is good. He's not just like an upgrade over Wentz. He's legitimately good. He looks like a better version of Kyler Murray almost. He, he's not as fast, but he's just so decisive. He just would always take the right lane whenever he needed to run. He was just really smart out there and looked like a veteran. So I think these are like equal teams and six and a half. That's what I said in the right out. I, in the right up, I viewed him as equal teams. So it seemed like too many points. Not only is Hertz uh, a really obviously video game like numbers in college for rushing stats, but he had the highest YPA on non play action passes in college his last season. So, and there's just so many like second order effects with not taking all those sacks. Um, I'm pretty wild. The Saints hadn't allowed a hundred yard rusher this season, and then Philly had two last week against them. So Ben Rufus kind of made me feel less smart about it, and he got us uh, on this same Cardinals team versus an NFC East team last week too, because yeah, he strongly was, liked it, right? Yeah, but the version of Daniel Jones that showed up last week was—I mean, it was like bringing in like Trough Carson Wentz in there. It was just he, that that like the Giants' defense basically held Arizona to 4.9 yards per play. And that's including when they broke a little bit at the end because they were on the field so much. If the Giants offense had done anything, and then uh, Deion Lewis got the ball karate kicked out of his hands on a fumble, it's total BS. Arizona definitely dominated that game, but it was pretty much just because Daniel Jones sucks. Now, if the Arizona defensive line gets eight sacks against the Eagles, then okay, they're going to lose. But I just, I think Daniel Jones held the ball way too long, so many times, and he fumbled so much, and he wasn't totally healthy. So, yeah, I mean, get, yeah. Rufus was correct. He deserves the, the win. There's, there's no quibbling over it. No, but I, I, I don't think this I is the same situation. Also like, I brought that up, though, because he also liked Arizona this week, right? Didn't he say he has him like minus nine and a half or something? That's why I brought it up. Eight and a half or something. But the, the thing yeah. about that is that, so we got in this argument because I said, you know, Hertz is good. And he said, well, isn't the Derek Cardi Ronald Acuna argument? It's exactly the same. It, it's basically that the, uh, normally a quarterback in a second start is not even close to league average. Like he's not going to be good no matter who he is second start of his career. And so that's what Rufus price is in. That's what he's betting on. That's why the line is eight or whatever it is. I'm saying Hertz is like a league average quarterback now, if not better. And that the Eagles team is actually decent. And the only reason it looks so terrible, despite having miles Sanders and a couple of tight ends and you know, the receivers aren't great and a banged up line isn't great, but a decent defense is that Wentz was so terrible, so uniquely terrible, that he just took down the whole team because of the quarterback. And so that we're not correctly pricing this team with an adequate quarterback. And his view is that this, we can't consider him an adequate quarterback and start two. And so I said, yeah, you know, it's, it's the base rate, which is he's betting the base rate. Sec, generic second-start quarterback gets destroyed. And I'm betting the exception. No, this is a good second-start quarterback. 
and he's made a good point. He said, you know, if I were betting yeah. futures and I were like laying, you know, minus 900 that the Eagles aren't going to win the division or whatever it would be, and I was taking that kind of risk, like laying out nine times as much as I'd win, then, then you know, me betting the base rate might be risky, you know, if this guy really might be good. But just in a 50-50 against the spread, betting the base rate is the way to go usually because if you're wrong, okay, you lose the bet against the spread. So what? All you got to do is be right more often than you're wrong. The base rate, by definition, is right more often than it's wrong. But I still think I watch the game and I trust my observation, and I'm, I'm saying the base rate is incorrect this time. Yeah, all that makes sense, and I loved the counter about like it. Well, it would be even shrewder to lay a futures bet on the Eagles if you think that it's right. different here in this right. case. But because I'm not getting any extra, to, right? Because I'm not getting yeah. any extra bonus for him if being truly really the yeah, real they, deal. I'm just getting you yeah. know my even money. But if it's like if I'm like the guy who can see that Hertz is different because I've got this power of observation, then why not go big or 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 take the money line then. Maybe, maybe take the money line oh, here. I but did. either way, I I'm did take the money line uh, with Jeff. Force the bet. I did take the money line. Oh, nice. Okay, you did say that the money line. Nice. Okay. Well, wow. well done. Okay. All right. So I'm with you. I sent in the best bet this week. Staff picks without seeing any of your picks. So, okay. um, that, yeah, that definitely spells doom because yeah, we organically came to the same and no buys this week either. So we we came to the same same team there. So definitely gonna lose. All right, Chiefs minus three at Saints. I took the Saints, but it was a coin, fl- a coin flip for me. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't want to – I took the Saints as well. I like Taysom Hill. Uh, like taking them after a loss in New Orleans. But, I mean, if it's only three, especially against Mahomes, certainly don't feel confident. Browns minus four at Giants. I took the Giants because I always do, but I don't feel confident. I mean, the, you know, the, the version of Danny Dimes that showed up was terrible, and McCoy is bad too. So I, I, if it's bad weather, maybe it'll just be a – on the ground slugfest and the Browns have better running backs too. I, I don't know, but I just think that giants usually hang around teams and the Browns aren't that good. Yeah. I think we're different on the final on these last two primetime games. I really like Cleveland. Normally I'm not big on four and a half point road favorites, but um, either McCoy or a banged up Daniel Jones against that defensive line's pretty good. And I like the Browns playing from the, with the lead in that rushing attack and coming off the loss, but it's a short week and travel and the giants defense isn't that bad. So, and plus you got to take the giants every week, right? You have to keep your thing. So. <laughs> well, also uh, the, the emotional loss for the Browns that gave it all they got against a rival short, you know, in addition to the short week and then Mayfield, I know he made some throws and their offensive line is actually really good, but that dude should not be scrambling as much as he does. And they should be handing it off to Nick Chubb way more than they do. And I think giants defense is pretty good. Like I think Mayfield can make some mistakes. That was the longest throw PFF has charted. Apparently, that one he threw in the back oh, of the what end a zone. Cannon. Kind of, what a kind cannon! What a surprising. I know. Surpri- I didn't expect it to be that that far. Definitely cannon. Um, yes, more Nick Chubb. Uh, no argument here, man. That guy is so so good. Just apparently he grades out better as a receiver than Kareem Hunt, but Kareem Hunt's good, and so they're going to use him. So he's he's going to be limited. You, that was game of the have... year easily, right? I mean, that was awesome. I guess Harbaugh is saying that was like one of the best games in the NFL history at midfield after the game. I mean, what a fun game. Most rushing touchdowns since the 20s. I mean, back and forth. The fantasy implications of being the fantasy playoffs. The crazy spread change on the safety at the very end. I mean, both teams nearly going the over on by themselves. I mean, that was pretty cool to have a standalone last game of week 14. And the beast of a game-winning kick that was just like, no doubt from the beginning to yep. the end. Like, I love that dude, Justin Tucker. It's just like I mean, I was in a league that I was down 40 and like Lamar Jackson had gotten 39 through three quarters and then he left, you know, and then he's yeah. a miraculous comeback. It took like yeah. McSorley getting hurt and then a yeah. timeout. And, yeah. and then that was on fourth down. That play was pretty, pretty sick. Yeah, it was good. And last one, Steelers minus 12 and a half at Bengals. I had the Bengals. So I made it 10 and a half. And then I was just like, you know what? 
I don't care anymore. I'm taking the Steelers. They're going to smash them. This is like they lost two in a row. This, the Bengals are the worst team in the NFL, then the Jets right now. And the Steelers are just going to go in and just absolutely manhandle them. And I just don't even want to think, quibble over the whether I'm getting 10 or laying 10 or 12 or 13. They're going to win by 30. I took the Bengals in stat picks, but I, the more I think about it, the more I could see this. Yeah, Pittsburgh losing two straight. They might just go crazy on defense, kind of like the Rams and the Jets. You know, my, Cincy and the Jets uh, both might not score a touchdown this week. Um, so, so I'm thinking what? Broncos, Packers, Niners, Eagles, and then we can check out the lines on Jacksonville and Tennessee. Yeah, Tennessee would be my choice if it's still 10.5 and, and Stafford is not playing. Right. Right. If Stafford okay. plays, cool. I would pass at ten and a half. I, the, he gives them, you know, Titans defense is pretty bad. Yeah, that makes sense. We'll talk more. Be, I'll be on the XM show just, tomorrow. No, I, Jeff. I just, yeah, I think we might have to do the pod on Tuesday next week because of uh, travel. Oh yeah, we definitely got to switch some some schedule around. Yeah, uh, Christmas is right in the middle. Yeah, what is it? Plus, Friday. Yeah. I, I'd hate for Bitcoin to be over fifty thousand the next time we talk. So let's do it early. Make it all. Uh, and I apologize. Absolutely. I apologize. Happy Hanukkah, Liz. Oh, thank you so much for acknowledging it. Appreciate it. Good times. Um, Okay, cool. Yeah, we'll figure out schedule next week and uh, yeah, go Bitcoin. (laughs) All right, man. Uh, Five and oh, we got to also, we got to go 15 and oh. This is it. Oh, yeah, it is the final three weeks. Okay, we're starting now. Now we're taking it serious. Now we'll take it serious. Oh, Jose, I got to add one more thing. So I would bitch about my primetime team last week. And, you know, it was close. It was such a good team. I think this team, and Debo got hurt for me this week. I had, so I had Trubisky in a QB who did pretty well. Actually, Mayfield was better on my bench again, but Trubisky was fine. My running backs were Kamara, Chubb, and Jonathan Taylor. My receivers were Metcalf, Debo, who got hurt, and T.Y. Hilton, who balled. I had Mark Andrews who had a good game at Tucker, and I think I started the Packers defense last week, but I have the Saints defense on my bench. This is a team that should be in the real playoffs. I mean, this is a team I'd also drafted Dak. But I just missed. I went through all that bullshit. But now it's fourth overall in the consolation round. And that was with Debo getting hurt. And, you know, he got me nothing. I, I, he was he could have got me. So it's only 2,500 if you win the entire thing. But there's probably only like 25 to 50 teams even trying in the consolation round. Because, yeah, they're right. So many like, are checked out. Yeah. yeah I mean, the bad teams are checked out. And even the teams that were decent, like if they had a bad first week, they give up. So anyway, I'm, I'm pissed that I didn't get in, but I feel like I deserve to win this one because this is a good team. Nice. Um, I have a battle with Andy Barons in the other league we're in together, the Team Huevos League, and he's uh, he's putting my name to shame with some making some some salacious tweets about me. But uh, so uh, uh, yeah, so so we got that too. But uh, I think, remember yeah. you beat what, me. What with, remember you beat me with Richie James that one week. I never won another game after that. My team got so demoralized uh, by that loss. That helped me get a buy. Yeah, that helped me get a buy. I never won like another game. I, we were both five and three, oh, and it, I just I never won again. And I, I had some good. I don't know what happened, man. I was just, uh, I, I'm sorry. Richie James did it. That's, that's destroyed, kind of destroyed my sorry. team's will to compete is what happened. So yeah. Yeah. Well, good yeah. luck. I hope you beat Barons. There's nothing more shameful than Thank losing you. to Barons. Totally. Yeah. I couldn't definitely not be seen in public again. All right, man. Take uh, it easy. Talk. Take care. Later. All right, later. Later.